Welcome to the My Big Church Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear a message of hope and inspiration from one of our pastors. We hope you enjoy the message. This is the Big Church Podcast. How many of you go to the pool? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, our pool, it was really hot outside and our pool was kind of like bath water. You ever go to the pool and you begin there and you're like, oh, this really doesn't feel very good. Then we had some of that colder days where the water got a little bit colder. So what you try to do is, you ever go to the beach too and you're trying to get used to the water? You know, you're kind of dipping in there. You're going, ooh, ooh, wait a minute now. I don't know if I want to get in here or not. Anybody do that besides me? Well, a lot of times the best way to do it, if you've ever noticed, if, if the water is cold, is basically just to go run and jump right in, right? It's good to just get, you know, sometimes getting used to it is, is a little hard process to get into. But the name of my message today is called, Don't Get Used to the Water, Jump In. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more, uh, this morning about the big event when Jesus was baptized. And here's the thing about that happened. John was down at, the, down at the Jordan River baptizing people. And when Jesus came, well, let me get, not get ahead of myself. John was baptizing people, and it was John's time, right? He had been in the wilderness. He had been uh, seeking what God wanted him to do for uh, uh, three years of his life. And he came out preaching the gospel, repe- preaching repentance, preaching all this stuff. And all of a sudden, crowds started gathering everywhere to see John. They were coming from out, just all over the region to be baptized by John. And here's the thing. Everyone, really, everyone who was around there didn't really know what was about to happen. They really didn't know because all they saw was a crowd that was gathered around the Jordan River. But let me read this to you. Matthew 3.13 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John the Baptist was the man at that time. But what he had to do is he had to let go of his pride. He had to let go of what he knew so that he could point to who Jesus was. Because he could have, a lot of times what we try to do is we try to take everything in ourselves. We try to try to grab hold of all the glory and all of the things. John could have said, hey, this is my time. I've put in my time. I've done the things that I need to do. So why can't I have a little bit of glory? Come on, don't we like it? He probably said, I should get my Instagram out. I should be able to take a, a picture, and I should be able to get my name up in the lights. But here's what John did. John laid down the pride, and when Jesus came on the scene, he said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't think about what he wanted because what he wanted in the flesh would have said, I want what I want. But he said, Jesus came onto the scene, and he said, he is the Lamb of God. He says, I've got to dis- I've have to decrease. I have to get to the back burner and I have to let God come to the forefront of who he is because I'm nothing and here comes the son of God. He did everything he could to point to Jesus. He did everything and that's what we have to do. We have to take that same way. We do everything we do to point to Jesus. Jesus is our message, not politics. But if you think about Jesus, the Bible says the government rests upon his shoulders. So everything that you vote for, everything that you be, you have to know that there are people in the Bible says to pray for those who are above you and who are in places like that. But also you got to know that the government rests upon God's shoulder and Jesus is the way. Self-help. If you could have figured it out, Jesus is the message, not you trying to figure out your own life. If you could have figured your own life out, guess what? You would have already done it. You would be perfect. You wouldn't have to have counseling. You wouldn't have to do anything else. We... If you could have done it on your own, you would have already done it. Jesus said to them, he says, I am the way, 
I am the truth, and I am the life. You can try other ways. You can go down every other road. You can try to figure it out yourself. But you're ultimately going to have to come back to I am the way, the truth, and the life. Religion restricts you, and relationships release you. When you've got to try to do it all and you can't figure it out and before too long you're beating yourself up because you've messed up so many times, religion tells you you'll never be better. You can never do it that way. But relationship, when you develop a relationship with Jesus, he said, I'm going to walk along with you in this relationship. I'm going to walk along through your mistakes and through the things that you do. He said, I don't want to... He said, I don't want to break all, he said, I don't want to cut all the rules out. He said, I came to fulfill the law. He came to make it, make it so that you could serve him. Jesus was sinless. Why would he want to be baptized? Verse 14 says this, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. John's like, you're the son of God, and yet, you know, I need you to dunk me because I'm, I'm full of sin. And why would you want to? But John knew this. He said, 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be. So now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill, say fulfill, all righteousness. Then he allowed him to do this. The first thing Jesus had to do is he had to submit. He had to submit to the plan. Jesus could have said, I'm Jesus. I ain't doing that. Had to throw that in there. He, he could have said, he could have stood on the shore and said, you know what, I'm, I'm the son of God. Why in the world would I need to do this? But he became submissive to the plan. He was example to all of us. He was, the Bible says, not my will, but yours done in the garden when he said that. Jesus was our representative. I love Philippians 2, 6 and 7. It says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself say of no, say no, no reputation. He made himself of no reputation. Jesus came to this earth, and the Bible says there, there was no form or comeliness or anything that we should want to desire him. You see, you see pictures of Jesus, and he's really this really good-looking whatever. I, you know, I, I believe he was kind of Middle Eastern, and I believe that. But you see all these pictures of him, but the Bible said there's nothing that would make him look like a rock star. There was nothing that you would really want to follow him for. It was all about who Jesus was and not what he looked like. It was all about who he was and not all of the followers that he might have had on, on social media or anything like that because Jesus was our representative. Here's what I love about it. Jesus didn't judge them. He got in the water with them. Again. He could have stood on the shore and said, I ain't doing that. I'm not going in there. Do you know who some of those people are that are in there? Do you know that that water is going to be pretty dirty once that person goes through it? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. The person that gets baptized and you're thinking, man, I don't even know if I want to get in the water after him or her. Jesus could have stood out there and he could have judged them and he could have said a lot of things, but he got in the water with them. He was not afraid of their mud. He was not afraid of their mess. He was not afraid. He met them right exactly where they needed to be met. And I love the story of the prodigal son. He didn't wait for the son to get it all together to come home. He said, son, come home now. The way you look, the way you are. And that's what Jesus is saying to us today. Come the way you are. Don't try to get used to religion. Don't try to get used to everything else around you. Just dive in the water and I will take you to the place you need to go. 
people were his purpose, all races, all ages, all walks of life. And if the people knew who was in the water with him, what a day. Can you imagine a defining moment in your life? Think about just some important times in your life. But can you imagine you were sitting there and you were standing in the same water that Jesus, uh, Jesus stood in? And they didn't realize what was happening around them. I've heard people say that it's a very, and Kagan's been to Israel a few times, they say it's very, very emotional when you're standing in the Jordan River and you're about to get baptized there. You can almost feel that thing. And I just wonder what they were feeling at that time if they knew exactly that the Son of God who would take away the sins of the world was entering into the water with them. He wasn't, discur- he wasn't discriminating against them. He wasn't trying to find fault with them. He was in the water with them. He is with you in the water also. He is with you through your process. And if you've been around here long enough, you know that we speak about being in a process. If God, God can knock you off a horse and he can change you like he did Saul to Paul, but I'm telling you, a lot of times he takes you through a process and he works with you and he makes and he molds you into what he wants you to be. And if you could just get it overnight, a lot of people would want it that way. But that's not how it normally works. But he sees you through the process, and not everybody's going to see your process. Here's the thing. You're in the process right now, and you want everybody to see. And a lot of times, too, they do see that maybe you don't talk the way that you used to talk. Maybe you don't go the places you used to go. Maybe you don't act the same way that you used to act. Can I get an amen on that one? Maybe some people start looking at you and go, my gosh, there's something different about them. They may not see the full process, but they should see the end product. They might not see the full process, but they have to see the end product. Why do they need to see? Change needs to be part of our life. If we're going to win the world for Christ, and if we're going to go down one way and come up another way, we have got to be able to let Jesus be shown in us in every action of our life. If there is no lasting change in us, I'm telling you, we have to come to the Father, and we we just have to repent if there's no lasting change in our lives. Let me read this to you. Change should be present. It's our responsibility to, allow, to let our light so shine before men that they will, they'll be asking questions about who you are and who you're becoming. He associated with sinners, but not sin. He got in the water with the sinners. He got in the water with the people, but he didn't associate with the sin. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. You have to live in this world. You have to go through the, you have to get a, you have to work. Got to get a J-O-B. You have to do all of those things. But the Bible says there are times when you have to come out and be separated from the things of the world. Sometimes you have to cut those situations off, those relationships off, those things in your life that are holding you down. Do you believe, can I tell you one thing right now? There are some people out there, God is throwing you the life preserver and you're just pushing it back in. And you're allowing people, you ever try to save someone that's drowning and them freaking out and all that stuff? They're pulling you down farther and farther. And the more that you get close to them, they're pulling you and they're pulling you under. And before too long, you're going to end up in the place where they're at. God's throwing the life preserver, but he's also telling us we have to not be in the world. Going under the water symbolizes being made clean. Coming up out of the water is rising again to new life. There has to be something new about your life. Verse 16, let me read this to you. And when he had been baptized, 
Jesus came up immediately. Jesus came up immediately. There's, there's some people in this room that need to be held down for a couple minutes, including myself. I was teasing to him. I, I was teasing earlier. I was telling a few of them, I said, you know what? I won't hold you down more than a minute. And a couple of them looked at me like, are you serious? But if we gauged how long we needed to be under that water, I probably would have been dead already. Because Jesus came up immediately. Sometimes we need to be submerged a little bit longer. Jesus came up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God hovering like a dove and lighted upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Here's what happened. He was identified as a son. But obedience... Baptism is an outward sign of an inward obedience. Obedience comes first. Validation comes after obedience. Jesus, again, could have said, I'm not doing this. Why should I have to be baptized? Why should I have to go through all of these things? But he said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. I don't understand what's going on. I can remember, I can, I can tell a story about my dad one time. He was, at, he was in a church service. My dad's been serving the Lord as longer, longer than I'm, by as much as I've been born. And I remember he was sitting there and he said, I heard the Spirit of God say this, go to the altar. And here I was, a preacher, and here I was singing all over the county. And, do, and he said, there was a bunch of people in this church. And, and he started talking about like, what in the world do you want me to go to the altar for? He's like, I don't really have nothing to confess or I don't need to have to talk. He said, he went through three, two or three times battling back and forth with God in this thing. And finally, he decided, you know what? I'm just going to be obedient and I'm going to do the things that happen and I'm going somewhere with this. And when he walked down that aisle, all of a sudden about 40 people came out of the back. They all knelt around. He said they had a, about an hour long service after that. People got saved, healed, and delivered because he stepped out and he was obedient to do what God wanted him to do. Sometimes God will ask you to do some crazy things out there. And a lot of times, if we'll just get in the water and worry about, worry about what it looks like and what it smells like, and it's got a little bit of fuzz in it right here, right now, and it ain't going to kill you later, those of y'all getting baptized. I might get in there with y'all if you're going to complain. Validation comes after obedience, not before. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're sitting out there saying, I got no sin in my life, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. The Bible says you must be born again. And if you confess and you believe in your heart, you're saved. You have to be validated with God through that. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Getting saved does not lock you up. It unlocks everything. We think, especially the young people come to Christ and they think, oh my gosh, I got to give up this and I got to give up that and I can't do this and I can't go there. Man, church is going to be, it's going to be so boring. My life, is just, my life is just over with. Let me just tell you, when you give your heart to Jesus, your life has just begun. It unlocks your destiny. It unlocks your identity. It locks everything in your life. If you'll say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to where, to the place where you want me to go, and I'm not understanding where I'm going to go, you're going to find out your friends who were making fun of you in the first place, they're going to start coming and asking questions about what's going on in your life. Those friends that used to laugh at you and make fun of you and do all of the things, there's going to be a time when they're going to need what you've got. Getting saved unlocks you. You can, it unlocks, you can for the first time know who you are. 
You can discover who you are because here's what happened. He found out his identity as a son. This is the area where the enemy attacks us the most. If you'll know about this, the next chapter that he goes over into, Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And what are the first... I'm going to tell you because you might not know. The first two things that he comes to him, he says, if you are the son of God, you'll turn this bread, these rocks into bread. And if you are the son of God, he started to try to get Jesus to doubt who he just, who God had just told him to do. Listen, our identity right here, false identity comes from insecurity. It is, I am what I do. Somebody, some of, well, most of you all here have been told your whole life, you are who your parents are, you are who your family is, you are who you were raised by, you are from, from the time you were born. I am who what others say that I am. But a lot of times we have to get to the point where we're not listening to everybody else's opinion about us. We're not listening to what everybody else says about us. We're listening to what God says because God validates you as a son and a daughter. You think you've got to do better. You think you've got to act better. You think that you, if God's to love me, I've got to go to a certain standard. And let me tell you something. God does have standards in his life, but that doesn't make him love you any less. I'm sure God has been up there in many times of my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to picture God bald. And I'm just, this is the gospel according to Richard right here. And I'm, I'm, I'm just picturing God up there scratching his head going, I told him not to do that. I know I've, I've, I've worked with him and I've worked with him and he's still not listening to me. But I love him anyway. I'm going to continue to tap him on the shoulder. I'm going to continue to point him in the right direction. I'm going to continue to take him in the way that he needs to go. But, I, but he loves me anyway. That was so hard for me to get. He affirmed Jesus. you got to listen to this. I love this. He affirmed Jesus before he ever healed anybody. He affirmed Jesus before he ever performed a miracle. He affirmed Jesus before he ever died on the cross for your sins. He affirmed him because he still he loved him no matter what. And that's what he's doing for you. Uh, Pastor, I'm not doing any big thing for the, for the kingdom of God. I'm not going here and I'm not doing that. God loves you and he affirms you and he wants you to go in the right direction and do and find the destiny he has for you. We need to move forward out of that same love and acceptance, not in pursuit of it. You've got to move forward in it, not pursuing it all the time because it's already there. You don't have to catch up with God's love. It's there. You don't have to work for it because it's there. You don't have to, to try to perform for it because it's already there. He said, I love you as a son and a daughter. It's, it is good. Sometimes we have to reaffirm ourselves each day. And I remember when Kagan lived with us, and he thought I was going to get in trouble the first service, but this is actually a good thing. One of the, one of the good things he did. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but we would walk around the house and we'd go into the bathrooms, and there'd be little post-it notes with scripture on it. There would be these little quotes on the refrigerator. Stay out of the refrigerator. Gluttony's a sin. No, it didn't say that. <laughs> I needed it to say that a couple of times. But they're all over the house. There were these little reminders of, of God's words and his scriptures out there. And let me tell you what it is. It's very important for you to memorize scripture. It's very important. The Bible says to hide the word of God in your heart. 
that you might not sin against him. Sometimes there might not be something in written form that you need. You might not have your phone and devotional ready. You might not have, but you might need a word of God. You have to sometimes be able to memorize those things and say those things and repeat those things. You got to reaffirm to yourself that God really does love me. God really does care for me. It's important to do that. Weak, when you're feeling weak, you have to say to yourself, when I am weak, he makes me strong. You have to say to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because a lot of times our own strength will go away, but we have to know that God is our strength. When you feel alone, you can say this, the Bible says I will never leave you or I will never forsake you. He says, be strong. I'm quoting Bible here to you. Be brave and be fearless. You are never, ever alone. And I got news for you for something. Maybe y'all got a crazy family. Anybody got any crazy? Don't ignore your hands. I probably have to get two of my hands up. Maybe you've had a dysfunctional family. Maybe you've had problems and you got that uncle that nobody wants to know about. Or you've got things in your life. And maybe that's caused a lot of problems in your life. Maybe from the time you were born, from the time you are now, you're still reliving a lot of things that happened when it was your family. But I want to tell you something right now, some good news to you. You give your heart over to Jesus, you've been adopted into a new family. You've been given over to a new family. You are sons and daughters. First, 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you. Maybe your own father lets you down. Maybe your own mother lets you down. Maybe everybody else in your family. But God says, I'm going to be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters. The Bible calls us joint heirs. Romans 8, 17 says, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. The Bible says we are seated in heaven. Do you know your royalty in here? You know, Mindy kissed a frog and got a prince. You know, I'm not a toad. I'm one of those cute little tree frogs. But you are royalty. You are God's chosen people. You are sons and daughters of the Most High. You are princes and princesses. You are the, the love of God. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Let's all stand if we would, please. I want you to listen to me just for the next few minutes. We're about to have baptism service, and it's going to be great. We're going to see lives changed. We're already seeing lives changed. We're going to see the outward profession of lives being changed. But maybe you're standing in this place today, and you feel like you're drowning. Maybe you just feel like, man, my... Life just got me and I barely got my mouth above the water and I'm gasping and I'm getting air. I'm, I'm getting very little air and a lot of water's going in. But whatever you immerse yourself in, you come up as. I'm going to say that again. Whatever you immerse yourself in, you're going to come up as. If you keep immersing yourself in depression, you're always going to be depressed. If you keep immersing yourself in bad relationships, you're always going to be in a bad relationship. If you keep immersing yourself in the things of the world and, and you're finding out that they're not, you're always going to be left discontented because that's not the answer. But if you immerse yourself in prayer, you're going to see change. You immerse yourself in memorizing. I'm going to challenge you. I want you to memorize two or three verses this week. I want you to know them and hide them in your heart. 
And if you immerse yourself with the right relationship, if you get in the right relationship with someone that wants to grow and to go into a different place with God, you're going to find out that your whole atmosphere and your whole surroundings will change. What looked like was about to drown you, you're going to walk on one day. You're looking at Peter jumped over the side of that boat. He was looking at the winds and the waves, and, but he started looking at Jesus and he started walking on the water. The only problem that he had was he took his eyes off of the one that could get him where he needed to go. But that thing that you, you thought was going to drown you, I am prophesying to you this morning, you are going to walk on that thing one day. You're going to stand and say, depression has no hold on my life. Anger has no hold on my life. Fear has no hold in my life. I'm going to walk on those things. I'm going to release. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to jump in. Sometimes we stand and we look and we think, man, I should just do this. I need to get used to it. I need to get. Sometimes the best way to do it is just to take a dive in. You've seen some of them little kids in those videos, man, they just going all in on the baptism. I'm going to release the people that are going to be baptized. And as we get ready to baptize, when we're baptized, we're equipped with three things, just as Jesus was. God enables us with his presence and his power. The Holy Spirit now resides in us, and God speaks to us. You have that gift inside of you of the Holy Spirit that says, he points you in one direction when you're going the other direction. He leads you, and he guides you, and he comforts you, and he tells you, that I'm with you through the very end. God affirms you. He gives you his approval. You are his beloved. I know you don't feel lovely sometimes. You may not, maybe sometimes you're not even lovable. I didn't, my wife's not saying amen on that one. Sometimes you're not even lovable, but God loves you. It doesn't matter what you do and how you do it. He says, I am well pleased with you. And the next one is God sends us on a mission. This is not just for us. This baptism is not just so you can get a certificate and a shirt and you can say, hey, I did. It's to send us on a mission to find other people. The Bible says go out and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them and make disciples out of them. That is what I am challenging our church to do. Let's not just become the country club of one. Let's go outside and grit some more. The next baptism, let's baptize 40 people that don't even come to church right now. That's our mission. He's called us to spread. He didn't call us to save anyone. Do you realize you can't save anyone? There's been a lot of people thinking they can save someone. But you're the kind of person you have to send them to the Savior. You bring them to them and you take them to the person that can change their life. And that's Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.